Ladies and gentlemen. This is Entitled Weekend. And welcome back to what's known in some households as Rationalization Central, also known as Entitled Weekend. Uh, we uh, are back after a couple of weeks of, well, <laughs> well, just a mess, but uh, we figured that we might as well give you a pod before the year ends because, you know, there are some people out there uh, who are begging for it, <clears throat> Steve. But uh, so... I want to start with with Bill first because um, the last couple of games for the Patriots have just been, well, I'll just say that they've been a microcosm of the season. I mean, just just a mess. But I mean, with 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 penalties and and the offensive line and just mistakes made and but with with the with I guess the uh, the meat being that there's some good also with you know rookies that have made plays and and guys who've, who've contributed in in major ways especially a lot of the draft picks who we've been able to get close glimpses of throughout the season um and even still with all of that you, you know the way you hear it being talked about on twitter and elsewhere you would think that they're with what three and 15 or something like three and 14 or something like that, but they still have an outside shot of making this playoffs with the seventh seed. So, and this Miami game coming up is, is I would say the perfect opportunity for the Patriots to get a win, especially against Miami who they've they're looking more and more vulnerable, I would say. Um, so what do you think about that entirety of, of the season and it coming down to the next? I would say this game is uh, I would, to call it a Super Bowl is, is, is like copping out almost, but it is kind of a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I look back at the last couple of games and it's you're right about it being a microcosm of the season. It's that the team fi- is finding ways to lose games. Uh, they're finding new ways that no one has found before to lose games. And it's typically in spite of persevering through other factors in the games. This is a, this team has been tough throughout the season, but it's hard to be tough, beat the other obstacles that come up in for any team in a football season. And then to overcome stepping on your own dick. It's, it's really hard to do that. We've seen calls and penalties and, you know, things that maybe should have gone another way. But at the end of the day, you can overcome that if you're not also stepping on your own dick. If you're not doing double laterals. If you're not committing the, the you know, the I hate to say it, but the Trent Brown ceremonial one false start every game now. It's it's just, we're seeing just a, a, a pile up of errors that are very, you know, non-patriot like. And it's not a matter of since Brady left, even they weren't making a lot of these mistakes last year. Was Mac making mistakes? Sure. He was a rookie, but the players around him were making sound plays and we're not seeing as much of that this season, which is why they are sitting at, you know, with a losing record currently needing the two out to, to pull out the season. It's, it's just, you know, if they, I I just, I struggle to be like, Oh, I want this to be our Super Bowl. I want us to play in. 
I just want to see good play. I want to see them clean up. I want to see them end the season on a high note. Because as I said, I think on the last pod, if not, it was on Twitter. This has been a disappointing season. And it's been probably, to me, the most disappointing season since 2002. And that's because we're very lucky and fortunate as Patriots fans to see that. It doesn't mean that, you know, we wouldn't be, you know, angry if we see something like this compound and continue into next season. There's certainly changes that need to get made. Um, but for me, it's less about like, let's win two and go to the playoffs or let's win one and have some luck and get to the playoffs. For me, it's play two good games here and let the chips fall where they may. Them making the playoffs as a seven seed isn't going to change my opinion on the season. It's not, I'm not going to go big success. They made the playoffs again. There's, and I hope to God, the coaching staff doesn't do that. And the other fans don't do that. There are changes that need to get made. And so I'm hoping that no one sees that as sort of the escape route to talking about the issues that the team did have this year and that they need to improve. But I do think that there's a a ripe opportunity here to get a good win here. And I understand that Tua is out. But I think you also have to look at the Patriots injuries with the especially the secondary. I thought Marcus Jones could have a really key matchup where he might be the not single covering Tyree Kill, but follow Tyree Kill with help because of his speed. And now with him being out, with others being out, it's awful. So I'm just, I'm really struggling to see what our end route is here for the season. Um, And so I just really hope that, you know, the offense shows some strength. Um, I hope that there's some creative matchups on defense that allow us to, you know, to beat Miami, try to get in. Um, But Long story short, it's really much more about the quality of play over the final couple of weeks, and I, I, I can take or leave playoffs. I just want to see a strong end to the season, and then I want to see what they do this off season. I'm, I'm already looking ahead, and that's you know, it sucks to be there, but like, you've, you've got to call a spade a spade. This has been a disappointing year. Players didn't, players that should have been our veteran leaders. Um, and really stepped up. There was some regression. Uh, you know, I think that there was some players that we thought would take a second year leap that didn't take the same second year leap. There were some coaching issues. I, I think across the board, there's just some things that we need to look at for the future. And, you know, I'm really anxious to get to that point more so than I am about winning two and getting to the playoffs. And I posted this on Twitter um, and, you know, uh, the usuals got back to me. Oh, you should, whoever to blame is, but how good we have it. I mean, the Patriots have more than almost double the amount of playoff wins since the year 2000 from the next closest team, which is the Baltimore Ravens. They have 16. The Patriots have 30 playoff wins. So uh, just consider that. And I said this on Twitter, 2022. Yeah. It's a, it's a pimple on the gigantic ass that has been the Patriots uh, success of of wins in, in playoff wins in this century. Um, Mark, I find this really interesting, this discussion this week that's been going around um, that, you know, Mac Jones is, is not very good, you know, and this season, you know, for, for all the mistakes that he's made, granted, um, there, are, there are people who are like, Forget him, you know, and now they've moved on from even Bailey Zappi, which, you know, Zappi was was the guy for, you know, I guess that month. But now it's Derek Carr. <laughs> it's the guy who is being coached by the guy that everyone on in Patriots fandom hated, but now they love him because 
he's the guy who's coaching the other team. It's 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 such a backwards state of affairs. But what do you think about all this discussion about Derek Carr being the solution rather than Mac Jones? I I really want to chalk this up to people are desperate for a talking point. I really think if you give the majority of, of fans and media truth serum, they really don't think that Derek Carr is going to magically be a solution here for the Patriots. I think there's a lot of frustration with Mac Jones because yes, he did not take that second year leap. Uh, is it fair to say that uh, the reason for that is the poor play calling putrid offensive line play uh, the, the, the team making a, a number of uncharacteristic mistakes, like uh, Bill pointed out the, the amount of, uncharacteristic Bill Belichick led team mistakes that they have made this year that have set them back offensively that have killed drives. Uh, it ultimately reflects poorly on the quarterback when, you know, even though he's missed some games, we're sitting here in week 17 and Mac Jones has nine touchdown passes this season. Like it, uh, there, there have been some, there've been some errors that Mac has made. There've been uh, plenty of instances where you, you see, Oh, you know, player X is wide open uh, down the, you know, down the field. Uh, there was a pass there he could have made. And, a lot of times these are amateur, uh, you know, faux uh, film an analysts who actually don't know what they're talking about um, and they're quickly corrected. But there have been instances where uh, Mac Jones has has not made plays uh, when he's had the opportunity to. However, actually, really, since the I, I want to say since the bye week, I've been I, I've actually thought Mac Jones has done a pretty good job this season again. <laughs> It's it's hard to say that when they're not putting up points, uh, they are scratching and clawing, and they're putting Marcus Jones in on offense just to to create uh, you know explosive plays. However, Mac Jones is the number of turnover worthy throws he's made since uh, since the Bears game specifically, but also post bye week is among the league leaders. He's taking better care of the football, which is something he was not doing early on this season. Uh, he has someone in his face like two seconds post snap. The obsession that Matt Patricia has with uh, uh, not running play action and doing everything out of the shotgun when there's always someone in the backfield immediately is astounding. And I was defensive of Matt Patricia for the longest time, but th that experiment has failed. Uh, they they need desperately they need a new play caller. There's just been a lot of factors working against Mac Jones. And I think that fans thinking, okay, just plug Derek Carr in here. And, uh, or even the people who have said, oh yeah, Tom's coming home. I got news for you. You plug Tom Brady into the 2022 Patriots offense. He's not having much success either. All right. Like there are so many factors working against this offense and uh, it is, it has not been pretty. And I'm a plucky optimist amongst Patriots Twitter. I'm one of the, uh, one of the people who, who try to stay as optimistic as possible. Watching this offense really is a chore. And uh, I, I think the people who are trying to say, Oh yeah, Derek Carr could come in and, and do a great job. I, they're lying to themselves. All right. Uh, that being said, like you guys were mentioning earlier, it is definitely not fair to put the seven and eight record to this point on Mac Jones. Uh, I, I need to see a revamped offensive line. I need to see revamped offensive play calling uh, and, and overall coaching. Um, not necessarily pass catchers, all right? I don't think that, that we have a weapons with a Z problem, uh, but I, I need a revamped offensive line. I need a much better offensive philosophy because – Again, this this experiment just has not worked out. I understand why Matt Patricia was put in place. Uh, it has not worked. Uh, but Mac Jones definitely needs to be given another opportunity with this offense uh, revamped over the offseason. 
Mark, I just wanted to add pig and piggyback on what you were talking about with the um, the clips that get shared. Uh, and part of what a lot of people talked about and Brady himself talked about when he left and went to the Buccaneers was the change from bottom up play reading to top down play reading in regards to looking at your targets. He was looking always at the shortest guy first, sort of progressing up. I shouldn't say always, but most times he was looking short and progressing his way up. And the Buccaneers wanted him to start that in the inverse and go from the top and work his way down. So what that tells us is that the Patriots are probably having Max start short. And so if you're looking short to start, you are going to miss those long guys, especially when there's not time to get your to your third read, which is probably more routinely that deepest guy in the route. And so we've heard this from Brady, who talked about the challenge of changing and adapting how that was. And so I would just say that, you know, not so much has changed in New England in terms of the the offense that they're changing how they want their quarterback to pro- work through his progressions. That's something they've always liked. And so I would expect that when you see those wide open guys deep, it's not a Mac doesn't see it issue. It's a the progressions don't give him the time to be able to find that guy based on what the coaches want him to do from A to B to C. And Rob, uh not only I want to go to the next discussion about Mac Jones, because not only does he suck and he shouldn't be within 10 <laughs> feet of a football stadium, he's also a domestic terrorist who also hurts people and blocks people low. And it, it, this discussion blew my mind because, first of all, and, and this is during the last game versus the Cardinals, um, where Mac was trying to prevent Eli Apple from blocking uh, Thornton. And he had the best chance to stop that runner. It was a low hit. He got fine. And yeah. But no, apparently Mac Jones, you know, according to, I guess, one person who, uh, you know, who Mark Daniels, who took the article from, uh, well, not, took a quote from uh, Dovebot and decided that that is, you know, players calling Mac Jones a dirty player. You know, apparently when people who are saying that he should have did something dirty to Chandler Jones now are saying, oh, well, he needs to be he needs to go to jail. Basically, it's it's unbelievable. The leaps and bounds that they will go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's idiotic is what it is. And I don't what I don't understand and have never understood was this this hatred for Mac Jones. At first, I thought, oh, it's just people hate the Patriots. They don't want the Patriots to be good because they're sick of seeing the Patriots and, and you, know, you know, so, so if, if Mac Jones is good, then, you know, ergo the Patriots are going to be good. So we have to hate this guy the way we hate Brady for 20 years. That's what I thought it was, but it seems more personal now among like the, the Ryan Clarks of the world and all these guys, they, there's something, I don't know what it is, but they personally dislike Mac Jones. And to suggest that, you know, he was intentionally trying to hurt Eli Apple is what are we doing? You know, that's to me, that's just completely moronic. You know, it's in the Brian Burns thing from even Brian Burns defended Mac, which should tell you that. And it was last year he was calling for his head. Up is down, down is up. Yeah, it's just, uh, and of course, the the Boston sports media can't wait to pile on, you know. And, you know, Andrew Callahan got into this back and forth with Belichick in his press conference about it, you know, uh, asking him if he thought Mac Jones was a dirty player. And it's like, it's just to, to dignify that with a response is just foolish. But I mean, I've been the biggest kind of sort of Mac apologist there is. Um, and I think, you know, everybody's made great points. He hasn't been good, good this year by any stretch of the imagination, but I think their problems 
whether it be play calling, whether it be quarterback play, whether it be whatever it is, you know, I think it all, for me anyway, boils down to the offensive line. I think they're calling the plays they're calling because they have no faith in the offensive line to block for more than 1.2 seconds. You know, I think Mac kind of has, you know, sort of rabbit ears going on when he's in the pocket because he's been getting just absolutely crushed every time he lets the ball go, if he even can let the ball go, you know, and Trent Brown's been terrible. The right tackle position has been awful, but I will say this, I think Connor McDermott has probably been the best right tackle they've had all year. So, um, at least they've sort of got a little stopgap there. I don't know whether he's, you know, somebody who's going to come back next year, but um, this notion that, you know, Mac is a dirty player. What are we doing? You know, where did this come from? Why are we even, it's just the most disingenuous nonsensical thing in the world, you know, and it's just, it's foolish. And it goes back to also the, uh, what also drove me bananas was when people were getting on him about, you know, getting pissed off at the coaching staff when they weren't getting plays in on time. You know, and even guys like Julian Edelman were jumping on him and, uh, you know, Teddy Bruschi. I'd love that to see shocking. what I would love to see what Julian, how Julian Edelman would have reacted if they were first and goal in the two and in, in, in essentially a must win game on the road. They scored two touchdowns. Both didn't count because one was a false start and one they called a timeout. I'd like to see what Edelman would do if they couldn't get the play in on time. They were having to burn timeouts and they were taking false starts and the quarterbacks looking over at the sideline like, can we get a play? Can we get a play? Can we get a play? Like these guys wouldn't be happy about that. So, you know, I just, I don't understand this, this Mac hatred, you know, I don't know what it is. He, I, maybe there's something we're missing. Maybe there's something we don't know. You know, he doesn't seem like he's an asshole to me, but uh, I mean, clearly, you know, he's, <laughs> people don't like him. He rubs them the wrong way. I just can't figure out why. The Pats would always shake, you know, if there was anything going on there, then the, the leadership in that locker room, would be, you know, keeping that quiet, you know, and I think Judon has quickly become a leader in that locker room. You know, Max, my guy, I'd follow him anywhere. McCordy, Slater have all had statements that of support of Mac. But I think that, you know, if we saw some sort of pivot away from Mac this offseason, I think it would give credence to what Edelman et al. have been, you know, saying. Um, but I, I, I would be surprised by that. I think that it's a little bit more genuine support for um, for Mac from the locker room. And, and let's also not forget, I mean, this is still his, still second, his second year. year. You know, I mean, I think, Bill, you said it earlier. I mean, next year is going to be the sort of make it or break it sort of year. If he comes out next year and he's sort of middling and we get into week eight, week nine, and he's got four touchdowns and eight interceptions and that sort of thing, then we then we can have this discussion of, you know, whether he's the guy, whether he's not the guy. But this season has been anything but normal. And this team has done, you know, has done anything but, you know, perform like a Patriots team. And typically they're not the type of team that asks their quarterback to be the 400 yards a week, four touchdowns, you know, and the reason why they don't ask their quarterback and don't need their quarterback to do those things is because they usually play good defense, play good special teams and don't do really, really dumb things. And all year long, they played good defense. They played horrendous special teams for the most part. And, They've done the dumbest things I think I've ever seen a, a Bill Belichick coach team do. This is, you know, if you really look at it, this has been one of the more resilient teams he's had, but it's also been without question the dumbest team I think he's ever had, at least here in New England. And it just seems like every week the dumb trumps the resilience. And if they can get away from that, then they don't need Mac to be a 400-yard-a-week guy. They just need him to, to, you know, be Mac Jones, be smart, you know, and I think he's very capable of doing that, but I guess we'll find out next year. And I think we were having this chat in our uh, in our thread, 
but I think a lot, I, I don't want to speculate, but I think a lot of that has to do with, especially with the confusion and the miscommunication and all of that has to do with, maybe it is the specific, co- not the coaches specifically, but what the coaches are doing and where they thrive and where they specialize. Because this season, again, it's like, like you said, Mark, it's been an experiment. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, you know, experiments are meant to be tried. And if they don't work out, you throw it away and you forget it and you do the men in black uh, memory wiper and just forget it and do something else. And, you know, again, there's more speculation about oh Bill O'Brien and maybe bringing him in. Maybe that's the plan. I don't know. But maybe if you just maybe if, if you're able next season to get people to actually do the things and it's not firing Matt Patricia, it's not firing, it's not firing anybody really. Maybe it's putting people in specific positions where they can thrive and then getting someone else where they can thrive. And, you know, it's all cohesion, you know, getting an an offensive line coach that, you know, because really Matt Patricia has been doing both, I would say. And, you know, some to some success to some not, but it's, I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think it's a, a, automatic you oh you gotta get you know you gotta clean house and do everything like that but again everything everything has to happen immediately in a, in, in this society too but um let's uh, let's go to some happier news i would say uh <laughs> amongst the boston media there have been uh speaking of cleaning house what a segue there um Boston sports media has been doing some house cleaning of their own um, and of some junk, I would say. Uh, first, let's go to 98.5 The Sports Clan and Adam Jones, who uh, has been sacked. Um, I'm not sure who is going – actually, I don't even care who's going to be the the next person, if that, if that is. But it, it is interesting how <laughs> – I mean, of course, overnighters are always the – they're they're always the, the the first person to go anyway. They're not they're not going to do anything with their their principal shows like uh, Fogger Maz and Zolak and Bertrand. But I think it is interesting how Adam Jones is probably the guy where where it's like it's almost like a cult following to where you know th- with this uh what did they used to call him Vulture or something like that. It's like anytime you say something. He says something derogatory on Twitter, and then you you call back at him, and it's like, oh, he's he's it's it's a joke, right? And it's like you're in on the joke. It's like some sort of a uh, Dollar Tree version of Howard Stern or something like that. But uh, and then you have uh, who's who's the other guy? I'm forgetting. Oh wait, uh, BJ Dean. Yeah, that's why I'm forgetting him because he's so damn irrelevant. Uh, BJ Dean from NBC Takes Boston is also gone. So uh, isn't it interesting? And, and Lou Merloni, of course, from WEEI. Let me play this. Um, I, I don't want to play this whole two twenty minute, two minutes and 20 second clip, but apparently um, on the Migo Fourier and, and Merloni show, which is no longer that, uh, he, they were, he, they were, he's being eulogized pretty much. Did things the right way, our way. Mm-hmm. Which I think was uh, that I think the listeners appreciated. Okay, I can't hear any more of that. That was six seconds, and, and <laughs> that, that's two minutes and twenty seconds of, of that. <laughs> the over under on how much we were going to get through of two minutes and twenty seconds was about nope. six seconds. So you hit it. <laughs> <I had to. laughs> 
Yeah, so it, it it's 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 really ridiculous, especially now and 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 again with the media uh, backing on onto themselves. Anytime they hear this, oh, he's such a good person. Oh, I can't believe you're leaving. I wish you much success. But as soon as a player has that happen to them, these media people are laughing like it's no tomorrow. You know what I thought was uh, the most ironic thing about Lou Merloni's leaving was the interview he did, I think it was with the Boston Globe, where they were talking to him and he said he was kind of relieved because the most exhausting thing, and his direct quote was, every day searching for a negative angle was exhausting, essentially. And he was looking forward to not having to do that. Wow, have, what, a, what a concept. Has it ever occurred to them that maybe if they didn't do that, their ratings wouldn't <laughs> be in the shitter? Like maybe doing the same bullshit over and over and over again, and trying to troll a fan base and all this sort of thing, you know, it may have worked during the Eddie Andelman Big Show days, but maybe, maybe zig when everybody else is zagging to steal an overused cliche when it comes to the Patriots, you know, like maybe try something else, maybe bring on some people to to produce content that's not for the red meat eating simpletons in the cheap seats. How about they put on some content that for people that have a functioning frontal cortex that want to actually listen to some intelligent talk? How about have Mike Reese on? You know, how about have Jim McBride on? How about have guys ah. on that can actually have a discussion instead of having these idiots, you know, on the airwaves every day? Maybe you wouldn't be going out of business. You Amen. make a, you make I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought up Jim McBride before you go, Mark, because uh, everyone mentions Mike, Mike Reese as they well they should, but Jim McBride is just another one I think should get a lot of props because he just keeps trucking along. He doesn't um, back. He doesn't uh, go into that hole of you know, where he could be with his cohorts, especially uh, Ben Bowen. Um, he doesn't go into that uh, uh, salacious tabloidy, you know, thing that everybody does. But um, he had a per he had a really great tweet. Um, you know, Mike Florio, you know, TMZ uh, himself of football says, uh, Bill Belichick has finally asked about the Mac Jones low block on Eli Apple. Shockingly sarcasm. Belichick had nothing to say on the matter. And then Jim McBride quote tweets him and says, finally asked? Why didn't you ask and why didn't you ask instead of waiting for the transcript to land in your inbox? Which I I never <laughs> thought that he would come up with something like that. But bravo to you, Jim McBride. It must make Jim McBride like sick to his stomach to go into the Globe newsroom and look over his shoulder and see Ben Volan still sitting there. You know, like who essentially yes. he who essentially, you know, is the the journalistic equivalent to SMU football when they, you know, had the death <laughs> like that's a death penalty offense what Ben Volan did. And not only did they they didn't do anything to him. <laughs> they nothing. did nothing to him. It's absurd. He had more done to him by some random hacker on Twitter than his actual employer. <laughs> like that's the sad thing. Uh but I mean everything that Rob said is just so spot on. Listen, these development this is a good thing. Okay. Because I have not been able to listen to sports talk radio, in, especially in this market, in years, uh, my, minus the occasional uh, time when I, I hear it, you know, uh, somewhere where, uh, you know, uh, at, in someone else's car or something. I am I'm fortunate enough to, to go to a decent amount of games, whether it's Patriots games, Celtics games. Um, and when I'm on my drive home, I want to be able to listen to something to that can recap what I just uh, what I just witnessed. And especially when I'm coming back from uh, from Celtics games, by the time I get back to, to my car, because it takes, you know, an hour and a half to get out of, out of the TD Garden, uh, 
we've missed the post game and we're now on to Adam Jones. And God forbid you actually hear anything critical about the game. It's moved on to Adam Jones and whoever his you know gesture of the week is, uh, making their their snarky talking points about Marcus Smart. Oh, uh, oh, Marcus Smart missed the game. Is he actually that important? Ha 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 ha. And just all these these this comedy shtick that is just so bland and awful it's just so pathetic like that you can't just have a critical conversation about actual gameplay there has to be all these contrived takes that merloni referenced uh when in his uh you know interview uh, saying goodbye i mean why can't you just cover in good faith the things that are going on in this market because as we just talked about with this year's patriots team even if you're just being honest and uh, and being objective, yeah, there is some some bad that you can point out. You can point out, you know, how uh, how ineffective the offense have, uh, has been this year. Uh, you don't ha- nothing has to be contrived takes. You don't have to say, oh, are the Bruins picking too soon uh, because they're winning a bunch of games? Shut up! I mean, this all this bullshit that uh, that, that goes on in this market. Yes, I'm glad that DJ Bean is no longer employed by, by NBC Sports Boston. That was a guy who, you know, eight, nine years ago was a genuine, excellent Bruins beat writer. He was actually very good at his job. And at some point he decided to, to you know, become Mr. To hipster hot August take artist. Yeah, basically become Mr. Hipster yeah. hot take artist and uh, and decide to go on this crusade against Mac Jones on Twitter. Uh, and guess what? No one effing likes you. All right. Like it, it's just it's ridiculous that people who are actually capable of critical thought have become, you know, court jesters. It's ridiculous. So I, I think it's a fantastic development that these guys are no longer employed. Hopefully, it's a wake-up call to these stations before they turn into country music stations. It, it, it's not. I'm just, <laughs> like, I'm going to be the pessimist. It's not. I, I don't care how many times you move the puppets around until the hand up the ass changes. It doesn't matter. It, it's just once, like, and Merloni said the quiet part out loud. He was told to seek a negative slant every day. So what's the decree for everybody on these stations to find the negative slant? I completely agree they should be zigging when somebody else zags and somebody should be going positive because Sports Hub is kicking the shit out of EEI in being the voice of the negative fan. So why would you also try to be the voice of the negative right. fan? Right. Why would you try to do the the great value version of that? Exactly. Well, exactly. You don't need the store brand when both are free. You've got the name brand on on the 985 side. You don't need the store brand. You don't need Mountain Chill when Mountain Dew is right there. Like it, it's just absolute hogwash nonsense and it's shuffling deck chairs. It really is. It's that's all that's happening here is that it's a shuffling of deck chairs. It's people going and finding the next person that they can stick, you know, that the leadership at these stations can stick their hand up their ass and say, time to spew the negativity and open the shit funnel and let it all pour out. And to an extent, I feel bad. And this is the only time I'm ever going to express sympathy for the media. I feel bad that that's the decree right now. From all of these stations, all of these papers, all of these. Be negative and you will get airtime. It sucks because it's sellout. Be a very rare exception. Your Reese's, your McBride's, your Howe's. Like, be the ex- like, there's rare exceptions. But for the most part, it's be exceptionally good at being a normal reporter. 
or be a negative shitstorm that we can tell what slant we want you to have that given day. And it sucks that there's so many people that are so talented because they're, you know, DJ Bean is very talented. I, I, his beat writing stuff for the Bruins was great, but he chose to go down the route of negativity. And did I say chose, did he have a choice? Was this the only job that was available? Like, this is the shit that sucks. Like, you don't know, and, and it makes you question who is genuine and who is not in this market. And you're never sure because it's even even with the exceptional reporters that are illustrating things in a clear way, they can't go too far the negative side or they look like the other guys. So like maybe there's times that they should be questioning a little bit more and can't and they get called homers. And that's a, that's a, like a fair critique across the board. If everybody could just be in the fucking middle and then maybe a couple of extremes on each side, that would be great. But I just I, I so doubt it. And it's all because of what Marloni said. That I'm tired of the negative slant every day and having to seek it out. That's what they're telling them to do. You know what, Bill? I think you hit it on the head too. It's like it's essentially become the WWE of of journalism. I mean, this isn't what these guys think clearly. You know, it, here's the situation: find the negative slant and pretend Absolutely. that's your opinion. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear you pretend that's your opinion. I want to hear somebody who's smart. You know, who knows what they're looking at and who can present it in a way that, you know, maybe I haven't thought about it that way, you know, and I'm not asking for somebody to get the pom poms out and start telling me how wonderful, you know, Matt Patricia has been this year. That's not what I'm asking for. All I'm asking for is a little honesty. All I'm asking for is what do you really think, you know, and if you could present it in an entertaining sort of way, then that's what sports radio is supposed to be. And when people and leave, also, it's their kayfabe. That was a kayfabe yeah. interview from Lou Marloni. Yeah. And also... Not not only not only give us that, but present solutions. Don't just say this sucks or this is good. Tell me why. I want to know. I'm not, like, don't don't talk to me like I'm a stupid idiot. You know, some people, although some people may be, well, most people are. But don't don't insult my intelligence because I watch the games. We all watch the games, or at least most of us who are listening, we know we know what the deal is. We know what this team does. Don't try to insult me and and, and give me. Uh, I'm talking around to because I don't need that. We don't need that. So if you want your I, fans to be smarter, talk to your fans like they're smart. Yeah. It's not that hard. There are fan bases that do it. There are markets that do it, that talk to their fans with a level of respect and understand that they know these sports well. And it, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's, it's disrespectful the way that the media talks to fans it's pontificating from mountain on high when they are in no position to be pontificating on anything from anything i also forgot to mention uh month from EEI is also gone so both night shows from uh both stations are gone so um but this is i don't want to toot our our horn here but i guess i will and along with the ogs on entitled town i think fans more identify with these shows than though than those stations because first of all we're all fans and that that and it's fan to fan but it's also fan to media too because you i would i would i appreciate a media that says i like the game you know not just the media that doesn't know what they're talking about and that's doing a cockamamie uh morning zoo show because it's it's semi funny. No, you're you're not talking about the game. You're talking you're farting through the middle of your first interview. So no, 
Um, and speaking of media glad handling, glad handling itself, um, I want to talk about this uh, Ron Hobson Good Guy Award um, circa 2016, because, look, uh, Jacoby Myers won it this year, and he's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh winner of this. Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, James White, Stephon Gilmore, Cam Newton, Matthew Judon, all great guys, verifiably. But, and this is this isn't anything to to sour the award. Just to me, I don't know if you guys feel this way. It just seems so haphazardly, and just the way that that Andrew asshole gave gave Jacoby the award he was dressed like he was coming out off of a subway off of a subway system like it, it looks so disgusting like you're gonna give an award like that and then it what 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 is it for I mean you say what it's for but is it really is it really just for, uh for fulfilling your obligations to the media okay I guess that's why Bill Belichick's never gonna get that right you know what? How about I would love to I would have loved to have seen Jacoby Myers and he would never do this because he's too classy of a guy to hand it back to Andrew Callahan and say, you know something, when you guys start doing your job, then we can talk about playing this grab ass game. But as long as you have guys like Greg Bedard in your tent who are going to slander Christian Barmore for no reason and never take accountability for it, as long as you have guys like Ben Volan in your tent I don't want to play grab ass with you. You know, it, it's a it's an absolute pride swallowing siege for me to come up to this microphone every day and look out and see Greg Bedard out there and to see Ben Volan out there when he actually gets off his couch and goes down there. When I see Albert Breer down there, you know, once you guys start doing your job, then you can give me an award for helping you do your job. But until then, you know, I would have loved to have seen him tell them to shove it up their asses, but that'll never happen because the guys they they choose for this award are way too classy to go down that road but it's just it makes me sick to watch it really it really does uh in every winner that uh that Shaq listed off there those are all fantastic human beings you know Matt Matthew Slater uh you know Matt Judon um James White uh, and then uh, this year Jacoby Myers I mean these are tremendous uh human beings great patriots and they're worthy of of winning an award. It's just the the spirit of that award. I just think is is so self serving. I think uh, Shaq, you 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 used that term before. It's so self serving. It's who's nice to us. Uh, you know who, who uh, you know who answers uh, answers our really stupid ass questions. I mean, the the amount of actual critical questions that these guys ask, as opposed to these leading clickbait type stuff, uh, is so minute. Uh, so, you know, the majority of the time they are standing there up there on the podium, you know, going through their obligations and it's just a waste of their time. You know, th these guys could be you know, getting home. They could be, uh, you know, hitting the, uh, the ice tub. Uh, they could be, you know, getting treatment for their injuries. And instead they're sitting there listening to a question from Greg Bedard. Oh, oh what do you think about, uh, this call on, on third and three? I mean, they're not going to tell you their honest thoughts, uh, whether they're good or bad, all right, because uh, they're they're trying to keep things in-house. It's just the spirit of that award is just so dumb. And and like you said, Shaq, uh, Andrew Callahan getting up there, like, number one, that's not your podium. Like, that that's Bill Belichick's podium. That's the players put, like, you're getting up there on, on uh, the Patriots podium and you're the, the self-serving, I'm going to present you with an award. No, F off. I, 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 I can't stand it. Here, you know what I want? I want there to be an award the players give to the media. 
and it would look like the fucking, fucking employee of the month at the Krusty Krab because it would be SpongeBob slash Mike Reese over and over and over and over and over because it's that it's the it's only, the only one, one that they that, respect. It, I, I just I can't stand the self-serving bullshit. Who makes my job easiest should not be an award. I, you know, I, I, like, you know what they, you and, know what happens if, when you know Bill Belichick should get that award because he fulfills his obligation every day. <laughs> the press conference is every single day. Are you kidding me? And, and wait, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play the, uh, the way Andrew Callahan presented this award. See how, uh, this, uh. We're honored to add you to that list. You are now at the bottom as the 2022 Ron Hobson Good Guy Award winner. On behalf of the beat, we thank you so much every day for helping us and speaking to the fans in the process. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking to the fans. No, no, no. Here's what they do. They ask questions, and then they pontificate on what the person, the person meant, meant in, talk, in, in their comments. And that's why the media gets fuck all nothing from the Patriots, because it's all interpretations and tea leaves it's, oh, he said that he believed this, but did he really? Or, oh, did we get the whole... At that point, I I crave somebody like Giovanni Bernard in our locker room. I crave it right now. Because I want somebody who's going to call them out on their bullshit. I want somebody who's going to call them out on their absolute bullshit. And Bernard did a great job of that with the media and held to his guns. guns. And it led to people actually having to take some accountability for their actions. I think somebody in the Patriots has to do that. And every year I get a little more pissed okay, off at awesome. Stacey James. Stacey James does not do enough to protect these players, does not do enough to protect the Patriots' reputation, and does not do enough to hold the beat accountable for being fair and reasonable and being a true representation of what is said to the fans. I agree completely. And the, the only the other thing that I'll add is – the voice of the fans. Oh, we're providing content. Give me a break with that. We are in the social media I, I found, age. I found, hold on, Mark. I found I found the other clip that I was trying to find of, of Andrew Callahan presenting this. Listen to this crap. Which is kind of self-explanatory, but I'm going to keep going. Um, and the award is purposed for a player that we discuss and vote on as someone who goes above and beyond for class, professionalism. And I think, especially this year, this speaks to a good guy who we know – it's tough talking to us. Some guys in that locker room would rather have a voluntary colonoscopy. Than Damn straight. Chat, uh, with us, and especially after losses. But you win, loss, random Thursday in the locker room, are always happy to, yeah, I got five minutes. Yeah, what's going on? Full on press conference scrum. You'll do five more one-on-ones. And we appreciate that because we get that you know when you're talking to us, you're really talking to the fans. And no, you're not. That's what this is all about. So... All right, that that's the clip I wanted to share. Oh God, it, it incenses me so much. Sorry, Mark. No, no, it. it, it I agree. I agree. Uh, we we're in the social media age. Like we, despite Elon Musk's attempts to uh, ruin Twitter, uh, we are in an age where athletes can connect with fans in a faster way now than ever before. They can put their own statements out on social media. They can respond to people. Uh, we don't need the beat writers to be uh, a voice for us. Give me a break with that. 
What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to do your job. You're supposed to get there. Tell us who's at practice. All right. Uh, you know, tell, tell us, uh, you know, what's going on that we can't see. All right. We don't need you to be a conduit between us and the players. There is more uh, access than ever before between athletes and fans uh, to the detriment of some athletes because they get harassed endlessly uh, from, from some fans. But, you know, the good intention uh, of, uh, of, you know, c- contact between uh, players and fans, you see it every day, you know, JJ Watt the other day uh, with his interaction uh, with a fan ba- battling a terminal illness, uh, like there, there are opportunities for athletes and fans to connect. We don't need the beat to be doing that. Uh, the, the beat, you should be telling us what we can't see. That is what I genuinely think there. And that's why I, I find that all, again, so self-serving. I, I, I have to jump in with this bringing full circle the comments from a couple of before the Cincinnati game about continuing with Mac Jones as the starter. What Bill Belichick's quote was, was yeah. And the plan, uh, yeah, comma, plan is to try to beat Cincinnati. Here's Mike Giardi. Is the plan to continue with Mac Jones at starter? Bill Belichick says, plan is to try to beat Cincinnati. Completely cuts out the yeah. Boston Globe, or sorry, Boston Herald posts, Bill Belichick avoids endorsing Mac Jones as his starter the rest of the way. It's it's this whole thing where they just cut out the yeah, and then you get people, and I believe it was Lazard. I don't have it in front of me, so if it wasn't Lazard, feel free to skewer me on it. Um, but it, he said something along the lines of, yeah, well, he said yeah. But I don't know if he meant it in the way where he was confirmed. You don't get to decide that. If they're talking to the fans, you don't get to decide what he meant before you tell us. You provide the entire you are you have to provide the context and then you can say something and I would you know, I might not love it, but if you want to say something under that goes, the yeah could have very well been Belichick starting his statements as he can do with a yeah, not sure it was a full endorsement. Now, would he have gotten skewered for that? Probably. But would it have been a little more honest? Would it have been allowing Belichick to speak to the fans in the way that they're saying this good guy award is supposed to determine? Yeah, it would have. It's just time and again, this is why you get nothing. And this is that that's the bastardization of the Boston sports media that has occurred time and again. And bringing it right back to the comments from Lou Merloni. What's the most negative slant you can take? Oh, that yeah might not have meant yeah. Bill, he did the same thing. Andrew Callahan did the same thing this past week when they asked him if Mac, when they asked Belichick if Mac Jones is a dirty player. And he basically said, look, we're getting ready for the Dolphins. And anybody who was listening to that, who has an IQ above nine, knows what he's saying is, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm not even going to dignify that with response or go down that road and get into this with you. Which is smart because then they would do exactly what you just said and spin it around. So Andrew Callahan's retort was, "Well, don't you think it'll, uh, you know, it'll, it'll basically piss Mac off that you're not willing to come out and say definitively that he's not a dirty." It's like, what are you talking about? He basically did by saying your question and your whole premise is so dumb that I'm not even going to entertain the conversation. That was essentially what he was saying. Right. You know, and instead it was, well, you know, the headline, oh, well, Bill Belichick, you know, refuses to say Mac Jones isn't dirty. And and then they wonder why they get jack shit out of it. Right. Well, because now all they can do is say so-and-so avoids, the Patriots avoid this play. because, Because you know what? It's not that they're avoiding your topic. It's that they're avoiding your bastardization of their words. They'd rather be, it's that old example it rather everyone assume you're an idiot than open your mouth and leave no doubt 
that's where the Patriots are at now because they're they're assumed to be they're assumed to be worst intent. So why would you open your mouth and allow your words to be used as an attempt to confirm that? You're just going to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, and the other one that I think Belichick kind of has going through his mind when he's talking to these people is never get into a battle of wits with an unarmed man. Yeah, that's the entire entire beat. beat. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, more good. Well, up back to good news, and let's talk about the other t- two teams that are in play here in in Boston. Uh, the Bruins, first of all, they're thirty five and twenty eight. Well, well, sorry, they're twenty eight and four. What am I talking about? <laughs> this is what you would think again with with, with the media is twenty eight and four. I mean, they're a freaking juggernaut, and the uh, Celtics are twenty six and ten. Another juggernaut. I mean. How, how how lucky are we? I mean, to be to be living to be rooting for teams like this. And Mark, uh, I want to talk about the Bruins first because um, they're c- currently in action right now. I mean, what do you, what do you think about every about the season in particular? Uh, I, I love that I'm becoming our resident uh, Bruins guy. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, uh, I I am just so thrilled with uh, uh, this Bruins season because the. First and foremost, the amount of times I've had to hear uh, the championship window is closing, it's closing, it's closing, uh, and people who dismissed this team uh, all over the summer so that they didn't have a sexy enough offseason, their sexy move was dismissing an ineffective coach in Bruce Cassidy. And uh, Bruce Cassidy is an excellent hockey coach. Don't get me wrong. He got results. Uh, but when it comes to the point where you don't have a relationship with the rest of your coaching staff, uh, you don't have a relationship with good young players – there is a cap to how effective you can be as a leader when that's the case. Um, and what I saw all off season and then into this season, I continue to see the local media to continue our, our theme, just caping for Bruce Cassidy, Greg Bedard, who I now don't think has ever seen a hockey puck. He probably confuses it with a, <laughs> with a, a, a ding dong chocolate chip uh, cookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes out to Vegas and does a sit down interview with Bruce Cassidy uh, and like does the picture with his, his arm around him. I'm like, my God, dude, like the, the, the media is absolutely ridiculous. Would you like to do some critical analysis? Because again, Bruce Cassidy was nice to them. He answered all their questions. He, he smiled in his press conferences. Uh, they have not get, uh, once done an actual analysis of, hey, why is this Bruins team off to such a great start? What changes has Jim Montgomery made? Well, I'll tell you, since the media won't, Jim Montgomery has a completely different approach with his young players. Uh, He inspires them with confidence. Uh, He communicates with them. But additionally, on the ice, he allows his defensemen to activate and to join the uh, the offensive rush, uh, which is something that Bruce Cassidy did not allow his defensemen to do. Bruce Cassidy's teams took a million shots on net, oftentimes from bad angles from the point, low-quality shots that either got uh, you know smothered up or generated a low-quality rebound. Uh, so they, they were among the league leaders in shots on net, but, uh, but were middle of the pack and actual goals scored. Meanwhile, Jim Montgomery comes in from a St. Louis team that was one, one of the worst in terms of shots on net, but was actually top five in actual uh, uh, even strength, five-on-five five goals. Bruce, uh, Bruce Cassidy was a different, different-minded coach. Jim Montgomery has gotten this team actual secondary scoring from its existing guys. They've uh, insisted on taking higher quality offensive chances as opposed to volume of shots, and it's made a huge difference. 
you know, it's been a, a revelation, uh, the play of some of these guys. Connor Clifton turning from, uh, you know, uh, the the ire of the fan base to a, a, a actual excellent NHL defenseman. Uh, the, the the change in, in um, uh, the play of Trent Frederick as well, as someone who was, again, maligned by the fan base and couldn't stay on the ice because he's in the penalty box. Someone who's an actual uh, legitimate third-line uh, third winger uh, who can provide a lot of depth, scoring, and toughness. Uh, it has been a treat to watch this Bruins team. No, they are not peaking too early. Uh, and I think they will add at the deadline. The trade deadline is only about two months away at this point. I think they're, they're going to try and add some depth scoring. And this is a team that can absolutely make a run to the cup. Uh, and I look forward to seeing them do it. Mark, I agree with absolutely everything you said. And I actually asked a friend of mine who is a big hockey guy, what is Jim Montgomery doing differently earlier in the season? And he essentially said exactly what you did. But it, I had to I had to like seek that out. Why can't I find that? Why can't? Why isn't somebody writing about it? And the only thing I'll add is um, McAvoy looks like he's gone to the next level as well. And as has Lindholm is playing out of his mind. And I really liked the toughness that Felino's brought, you know, when, when somebody, you know, is getting out of line or somebody's, you know, throwing elbows and burn or something like that. It's always Felino that seems to be jumping in and just starting to crack skulls. So I cannot, I've never enjoyed, and I, I love watching the Bruins. I love hockey. I have never enjoyed, I don't think, watching a team play hockey as much as I do the Bruins, they're never out of a game, no matter how lackadaisical they look. If it's a, you know, a back, the second night of a back-to-back on the road and they're tired and they're down three to one, somehow they're finding a way to at the very least get back into the game and get it into overtime or win the game. I agree with you. I think this team is just different. They just look different than any team I've seen in years. I, I think we also have to talk about the ascension of Allmark as the goaltender. 21 and one on the year is an absurd stat, an absurd stat to fill and to be stepping in, you know, in the wake of Tuka Rask, you know, one of the, the great all-time Bruins goalies. It, it's a, a really difficult spot to be stepping into, and he has done so brilliantly. And when we talk about activating the defenseman, that can lead to more of a break rush on the other side. That can lead to more of those opportunities. The fact he's allowing less than two goals a game, the fact he's a 21 and one is a testament to his progression and development and his ability to step up and allow for that defenseman break to continue to happen, to allow the, the defenseman to activate and to the trust that his team has in him to allow him to be exposed into those situations and to step up and make the saves. The only thing that has stopped this team this season is when I went to a game. That's it. That, that's the only time that we, you know, that, that's the only situation where it's it's taken a turn. That's with, with the Vegas game. Where, but even then, my jinx could not stop them from getting a point. They were down three nothing and rally back to tie it and go to go to shootout. And really, they were a rung post in the shootout away from taking the win. At like when my jinx isn't doing it to them, that this is a special team. And I agree about adding. I agree about all of that. But like. It, I think tremendous goalkeeping has been a true hallmark of this and allowed for a lot of the the offensive opportunities for the defensemen to take place. They haven't had to like hide back and sort of, you know, be ready for the break to sort of protect Allmark. Don't get me started on shootouts, man. I, I could rant for an hour on, on the shootout and how utterly stupid it is. Uh, I, I'm going to stop myself before there, but uh, you, did, you said <laughs> the word. That's my trigger word. I hate the shootout. Uh, oh, it's the worst. But yeah, I, this, yeah you uh, get you get you get in the shakes. It's like if you mentioned Bledsoe to Ironhead. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's do a favor for Ironhead and talk about the Celtics because um, 
they're another team that I, I think, especially now since the coaches have found a good combination for Jalen Brown to play when Tatum is off the floor and vice versa, you know, the Williamses, the White, uh, Michael Brogdon. Um, I, I've I've enjoyed what I've seen. Um, obviously, the three point shooting is a little off, but again, it's you know basketball season as these as some people like to say don't doesn't start until April. So, but but what do you guys think just overall? I'll jump in first on this one. I think this is a it's a special team to take the loss that they had last year and to build on it the way they have. And when you think about how this offseason went, you add Gallinari, lose him essentially for the year with the with the ACL. You lose your coach due to personal matters that seem to be, you know, more profound than may have originally been thought when you were hearing that he might take the Nets job. And then all of a sudden that went away. Uh, So you're talking about, you know, an offseason where they had one of the shorter offseasons in the league, lost their head coach, lost their big, you know, was it mid-level exception for Gallinari? And so lost your big MLE player um, for the year. And it's, it's just a really tough spot to be in. And it speaks to the ascension of Tatum. I think Tatum is indisputably a top five player in the NBA now. I, I, like it's it's going to take it, you would have to have a hell of an argument at this stage. And Brown is coming along. Brown is you know Brown is you know he's not a, a, a you know a top ten player in the league, but he's in the upper echelon of players in the league. Rob Williams getting him healthy, and I think that we're, what it's really speaking to is the team's ability to pull together and say we got a taste of what it was like to get there. Everything be damned, we're getting over the hill. We're getting over the crest and we're winning the championship this year. And it feels like that's the momentum that they're bringing to every game. And so that's why the start was so hot. And maybe there was a little bit of like, we came out a little aggressive. We need to be more you know, cautious with our minutes. We were a little more winded than we should have been. Let's work on those components. But that's stuff that's better to be working out early in the year after a super long hot streak versus doing it at the end of the year when you've gone through the entire season at that breakneck pace. And all of a sudden now you're realizing your legs are no longer under you. Um, so I think that speaks to uh, the minutes that, you know, Brown Tatum arresting it's Horford getting some rest. It's, you know, making sure that your bigs aren't being overexposed there. I think Blake Griffin was a huge addition that people didn't think was a huge addition because it's just allowed for there to be a, an additional big man in that rotation um, that can play some serviceable minutes for you. And even if, you know, Horford gets in foul trouble and you would, were planning to play Rob reduced minutes, you can really throw Griffin out there and get some serviceable time out of him in the regular season. And he probably earned some postseason run with the way he's been playing early on here. You know, as long as he stays healthy and keeps legs under, he can play some critical minutes for you and play some strong defensive ball, if nothing else. I think that's a really, you know, nice add. And it speaks to, you know, just everything that they've been looking to build on from last year, but it takes a super mentally tough team to take the loss they did in the finals and use it as a building block as opposed to a roadblock. Yeah. uh, So well said, Bill. I mean, again, this, and so much the reaction of the the media and the fan base uh, can be so hostile in this town, uh, this, this market, Jason Tatum did not have a good final. I contend he was hurt. Uh, the Celtics and Jason Tatum himself continue to say he was not hurt. I swear to God, there was something wrong with that shoulder. All right. I, I think that he was playing through something very bad. And the fans did not 
let it go. I mean, the amount of, of awful Losing things DNA. I saw. Yeah, the 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 <laughs> awful things I saw Celtics fans directing towards Jason Tatum in the wake of that finals loss was ridiculous. And he let it roll right off his shoulder. And like you said, Bill, the there were so many opportunities for them to just allow one of the million different distractions uh, that could have presented themselves to just derail the start to their season. And they just didn't do it. They, they, they didn't do it. They came out, they started off four and three. They had a couple of weird losses um, early on. And then they wound up uh, winning 17 out of their, their next 19, like 21 and five start a little bit of a slip out, uh, out West, which of course, again, people overreact to, I remember seeing someone seeing, uh, well, the 26 games prior to this stretch were uh, an aberration compared to what we're seeing right now. This is more. Uh, this is uh, more of a, a, a what this team actually looks like. Are, are you kidding me? Uh, th- this is a fantastic team. The discourse with Jalen Brown is another thing that I just think is ridiculous. I ignore it when I see it coming from Celtics fans. Jalen Brown is a fantastic second option on the floor. He is a legitimate all-star. What the Celtics have in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should not be taken for granted because it is not very common uh, around the league to have a a duo like this homegrown, uh, you know, your own draft picks gifted to them by the the Nets Nets idiocy, but still, uh, but uh, you know, it's great to see uh, them really, really come into their own and continue to evolve as stars. And, Brad Stevens is a legitimate leader of men, and uh, every move he makes uh, from the front office seat now uh, has been has been gold. Uh, he's developed, and he saw the one weakness this team had last postseason run. Where listen, we're relying on our stars too much. We need scoring punch. They go, they get Malcolm Brogdon, who's just been a revelation off the bench. Uh, they saw something in Sam Hauser, uh, who's still shooting about forty percent from three when he comes out there. Uh, they have pieces now that can help them in the in the postseason. So I look forward to seeing what this team does when the real quote unquote real season starts, but they had every opportunity to just allow what was said about them to be accurate, accurate. and for it to be a fluke. And they didn't do it. They, they are legitimately the best team in the Eastern conference. And I look forward to seeing uh, how things continue to progress for them. I live in uh Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm in the Philly market and I don't have the NBA package. I have, I can only afford the Sunday ticket and the uh, hockey package. So I'm going to sit this one out, but I am enjoying watching the Celtics from afar. I was, I thought there'd be more games on national TV, but there hasn't been. So I'll have to wait. Okay. So it, fi- it figures that you're, you're our Dan of, the, of this podcast. So um, that's fine. Um, it, it's, it's great to, it's great to have, again, it's great to have these teams, um, performing the way that they are, even though it's early, um, it 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 keeps the spirits up considering the way the Patriot season is gone. So, um, I think with that, we're going to call it a pod. Um, Happy New Year to everybody! Thank you for listening for this past year. Um, again, we, we rationalize because um, that's the way people think that that's what we do. But um, <laughs> even though we rationalize, um. The point is, is that we like watching the team. And I think that that's what people who are listening have in common with all of us. So uh, you can follow me at Atomic Dog 5150. Rob is at Hoodie Supremus. Mark is at Mark Baselli 13. Bill is at the Fib 0624. And until next time, don't forget to turn off your radio slugs. <laughs>